Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hey, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. I'm so delighted to have you here with me. And today we're going to talk about reducing Hashimoto's antibodies naturally. You know, about a year ago, right around when the adrenal thyroid revolution came out, so in January 2017, depending on when you're listening, I was contacted by a reporter from CBS Chicago named Erin Kennedy and asked if she could interview me about women's thyroid problems, what this silent epidemic is that women are going through, and what women can do. So I brought myself down to the CBS News studio in New York City and was remotely interviewed. And today, actually, just randomly, not even preparing for this podcast recording, I realized I had never watched the interview. We're getting ready to relaunch my website, avivaram.com. I'm really excited about the new websites coming out any day now. And I was just gathering various articles and news clips and things like that for the Dr. Ram has appeared in social proof. So I look like I'm, you know, important and do what I do. And uh, I thought, wow, you know, I never watched that clip. Let me watch it. So I did. And what I discovered was that Ms. Kennedy took a lot of data from my book, which is important data that you know, one in eight women is likely to experience uh, hypothyroidism in her lifetime. And that women are five to seven times more likely to experience a thyroid problem than men, and that 60% of women may be silently suffering with uh, symptoms that they don't realize are due to a thyroid problem and often dismissed and told that they're quite fine. Two women who have had thyroid problems are interviewed. And then it switches to a hospital in Chicago where Ms. Kennedy lives. And she interviews a Dr. Nadim, who's an endocrinologist, about Hashimoto's, who confirms all of this data. And then it flips to me in New York City, where I say that in my practice, I put women on elimination diets, where we're looking at some of the root causes of what can be contributing to this epidemic we're seeing of hypothyroidism and the things that we can do that can turn these autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's around to the best of our knowledge. So I talk about removing uh, certain foods from the diet. They do a flashy screen of, you know, Dr. Rom recommends removing gluten, dairy, nuts, this, that, and the other. And then it switches over to Dr. Nadim in her white coat. Do I say that disparagingly? If you wonder why I'm talking about white coats with a little bit of disparagement, I have an article circulating on the internet called uh, Why This Doctor Doesn't Wear a White Coat. And What Dr. Nadim then proceeds to say after I go and say, you know, we try these dietary changes is that there's no proof that any dietary changes influence either the cause or can change the course of Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism. And that the answer is Synthroid. I don't even think she says medications. I think she actually says Synthroid. I could be wrong on that. I'll have to watch that one again. But anyway... The bottom line is that, you know, there's me as this alternative doctor saying, I do these things. And then there's this woman in a white coat in a hospital saying none of that really works scientifically. And here's the problem. She's actually incorrect scientifically. There is evidence that, for example, gluten may cause leaky gut and leaky gut 
can cause Hashimoto's. There is unequivocal evidence that having celiac disease substantially increases one's risk of having Hashimoto's and that gluten is a trigger. And the list goes on. And is all of the evidence strong and robust? No, but some of it is. Some of the scientific evidence is. Is everything that everybody out there who's talking about Hashimoto's saying true and accurate? No, it's not. Some of it is selling products, but that doesn't mean that there aren't root causes that explain why one in eight women is suddenly, which we never saw 20 and 30 years ago, and certainly not in generations before that, having Hashimoto's, why autoimmune disease is so prevalent. And one thing that Dr. Nadim did not discuss at all, and which I didn't have the opportunity to talk about in the three-second clip that they gave me, is the strong scientific evidence that there are natural supplements that can be used to reduce Hashimoto's antibodies. This isn't left-of-center, woo-woo alternative medicine evidence. This is strong, substantial scientific evidence that we, even as physicians working in conventional medicine, ought to be considering certain interventions to help women who have thyroid antibody elevation and Hashimoto's, or even just have thyroid antibody elevation and haven't shifted to where they're getting impact enough on their thyroid to cause thyroid damage enough to be yet diagnosed with Hashimoto. So Anna is one of my patients who came to me after years of struggling with fatigue, anxiety, and depression, and just no clear understanding of why and no insights from her medical care providers. She had tried antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications and nothing helped. Then she went on to struggle through two miscarriages. And then when she finally did get pregnant and carry two pregnancies, she struggled with terrible postpartum depression. She also had very um, intense difficulty breastfeeding, producing enough breast milk for her babies. When she came to me and told me her story, It was so evident that her symptoms suggested an undetected thyroid problem, and her labs proved this to be entirely accurate. She had Hashimoto's with anti-TPO antibody levels of 1,200, over 1,200, and she said, my energy and mood are so low, I'm always bloated, my skin is dry, and I don't know what to do next. I can't keep going on with this fatigue and take care of my kids and my life And she began to weep and she said, Dr. Ram, I really need help. Now, the upshot for Anna was that we got her on the very same program that I'm going to share with you today in this podcast. And her antibodies came down to not within, uh, not negative, but certainly compared to 1200, her antibodies came down to first the 600s, then the 400s, and then leveled off in the mid 100s. So, you know, much less antibody circulation to damage her thyroid. So you might be listening and thinking, okay, what are antibodies? So first let's talk about that. One of the ways that your immune system protects you is through a second line of immune defense that's called the adaptive immune system. And that's where antibodies are produced. The first line of defense is called the innate immune system. And that includes things like white blood cells and other blood cells. So when you first get exposed to something, the white blood cells kick in, tries to fight off the organism. But if you're exposed to something that you've been exposed to in the past and have already developed antibodies, 
disease, which is actually one of the premises on how vaccinations are supposed to work, or if you have a very robust reaction to an infection that is stronger than the first line of defense can take care of on its own, then the second line of defense is called in. And that's where these antibodies get produced. And antibodies are special proteins that circulate in your blood. And their job is to recognize, neutralize, or destroy bacteria and other organisms or particles in your blood, like proteins from certain allergens that you might be allergic to. And when we're fighting off a cold or a flu or get an allergic exposure, we want our immune system to produce antibodies. But when it comes to your thyroid, as well as other body tissue, whether it's your joints or an organ or another part, we don't want those antibodies attacking ourselves. And that's what autoimmune disease, auto means self, it's your immune system attacking yourself. Autoimmune diseases are cases of mistaken identity. And a variety of different triggers can lead the body's immune system to get confused and start to attack our own otherwise healthy tissue. With autoimmune thyroid disease, Hashimoto's being the most common, the immune system attacks the thyroid gland. They can actually also attack thyroid receptors. So the hormone receptors that the, the thyroid hormone binds to and then lets it do their work in the cell. The antibodies that attack the thyroid or thyroid functions are called autoantibodies. And they're actually called thyroid autoantibodies. And in Hashimoto's, these include two specific kinds, antithyroid peroxidase. Thyroid peroxidase is an antibody. So it's antithyroid peroxidase antibody and antithyroglobulin antibody. You'll often see these written as TPO and TG, capital T, lowercase g. Thyroid peroxidase oxidizes iodine ions. So it takes iodine and it breaks it down to form iodine atoms that then get bound onto something called tyrosine residues on thyroglobulin, thyroid proteins. And that's how we get the production of thyroxine, which is T4, or triiodothyronine, which is T3. T4 and T3 are your thyroid hormones. So if you can't produce TPO properly and you can't produce thyroglobulin properly, because these antibodies are attacking those processes, you can't produce T3 and T4. Large numbers of white blood cells called lymphocytes, those are the innate immune cells that get activated really early on in some kind of an exposure or infection, accumulate, they build up in the thyroid and they make antibodies that actually start to damage the thyroid tissue, interfering with its ability to produce thyroid hormones or to function properly. Without adequate thyroid hormone, that's where you start to get the symptoms of the body slowing down and a lot of the functions of metabolism, brain function, heart function, hormone function start to get sluggish or stop working entirely or substantially. And that's where we get symptomatic. When cells in the thyroid become inflamed, TPO, the enzyme that's involved in thyroid hormone production is released from the cells and the body starts to react by creating these antibodies. Antithyroglobulin antibodies increased in response to thyroglobulin being produced also get damaged 
and create damage for the thyroid cells. So like Anna, if you've been struggling with possible thyroid-related symptoms, some of which include anxiety, fatigue, brain fog, constipation, you could have SIBO or reflux, insomnia, weight gain, hormone imbalances, fertility challenges, miscarriages, you've had postpartum depression, possibly trouble producing breast milk in the past. It's possibly related to your thyroid. Now, I've given you more links below this podcast to other podcasts as well as articles on my website where I talk more about thyroid symptoms and give you some tools to help figure out if it might be your thyroid. And of course, I've talked about this extensively in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. So you want to find out if it's thyroid. Let's say you go to your wonderful doctor. Let's say you've got this great doctor and you bring your copy of the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution to help guide you through your lab choices and your doctor gladly orders a complete set of thyroid labs. When you get your test results, let's say you discover that your thyroid labs show that you have Hashimoto's, your TSH is high and maybe your free T3 or your free T4 could be low and your thyroid antibodies either or both the TPO antibody or the thyroglobulin antibody are positive. And whoa, if that testing sounds Greek to you, don't worry. I've given you a link below this podcast so you can learn more about the thyroid labs and what the ranges should be. So the presence of these antibodies in your blood in conjunction with other abnormalities high TSH, low free T3, low free T4, indicates that you have Hashimoto's versus non-autoimmune hypothyroidism. When it's non-autoimmune, you can have changes in the TSH or the thyroid hormones, but you don't have the presence of antibodies. Hashimoto's, the autoimmune kind, is the most common form of thyroid disease in the US and in the Western world. So about 80 or 90% of all thyroid disease is Hashimoto's. And it almost exclusively affects women, but it can affect men as well. Another scenario could be that all of your other thyroid labs are completely normal and just your antibodies are high. In this case, most doctors are taught to dismiss it and say it's no big deal. But in fact, Elevated antibodies gives you a substantially increased risk of developing Hashimoto's later on. Now, maybe you already have a diagnosis of Hashimoto's and you're even already on thyroid hormone medication, but you're still not feeling better and your antibodies are still not coming down. Their presence can cause continuous damage to the thyroid, leading to a decrease in any thyroid hormone production that you still naturally have and also interfering with the effect of even your medications so that you're not getting as great a relief as you ought to be. All right, so you have these elevated antibodies and you're determined to bring those down, but is it possible? Well, if you go to a typical endocrinologist, maybe like the one I talked about in the CBS interview, he or she will say, no, it's not possible. Perhaps your doctor says it's just something you have to live with and nothing can be done. The answer is a resounding yes. First of all, I have seen this so many times in my practice that, I mean, it's, it's, there's no coincidence to this. I have seen antibodies come down from 3,000 to the 50s, the 60s, come into normal range. 
this is not something in my practice that I even think of as remarkable or miraculous anymore. It just is sort of the standard fare that I see. You can bring your antibodies down. You can do it naturally. And there are strong scientific studies demonstrating this. So in this podcast, what I'm going to do is walk you through exactly what I do in my practice to help my patients reduce their antibodies and even normalize their antibodies. And which in Anna's case, dropped her antibodies into the you know, lower than 100 in the mid 80s, still a bit elevated, but actually dramatically improved them and brought them relatively close to normal and in just a few months. And that I see over and over and over again. So what causes the immune system to produce antithyroid antibodies? There are several root causes that can lead the body to start to attack the thyroid and a couple of basic mechanisms where this happens. So even though your genes aren't necessarily your destiny, and there's something called epigenetics that actually allows us to determine which genes get turned on and which genes get turned off for certain disease processes, genetics do play a role in susceptibility to Hashimoto's, which is why you may be struggling with it. And so is your sister and your mother, and so did your grandmother, and so does your aunt, right? We see these familial relationships a lot. And it's not just that everyone ate the same diet or grew up in the same town drinking the same water. There are some genetic susceptibilities. Not everyone who develops a thyroid problem has the genetics. Not everyone who has the genetics develops a thyroid problem, but there may be a familial relationship. So I want to just share that with you because it may also take some pressure off of you and go, oh, okay, I get that this is why it's happening. But keep in mind, environment and lifestyle factors like nutrition, chronic stress, and gut health can determine whether those genes get activated if you do have them. This is really important also because if your sister, your mother, your aunt, your grandmother, and you are struggling with it and you have children or you're going to have children, you want to think about the protective things that you can do ahead of time as far as lifestyle, being careful to avoid unnecessary antibiotics, environmental toxins, etc. So one of the things we know is that gut health is tremendously important. The intestinal microbiome, which is the community of bacteria that live in your gut, play a major role in regulating the immune system that starts from birth. And when gut flora get out of balance, the immune system can lose its balance too. It can actually start to lose tolerance and it can start to make you susceptible to even attacking your own cells. And through a series of unfortunate events, triggering the immune system to become more apt to mistake the thyroid for a bad guy, as my grandkids would say, that needs to be attacked, you can start to develop autoimmune disease. In addition to introducing lacto-fermented foods to your diet, such as naturally pickled vegetables, things like sauerkraut, yogurt can be healthy as well. But I usually try avoiding yogurt for at least uh, all dairy for a few months when someone is trying to turn around an autoimmune disease, because studies show that about 50% of people do get some inflammation from dairy products. 50% don't, 50% do. You can introduce a probiotic and you can increase your dietary fiber. Dietary fiber should be at about 30 grams a day. Our ancestors, like paleo times, people got as much as 100 grams of fiber a day. But we know that we all need about 30 grams a day. Now you can get that through food. You can Google good sources of dietary fiber and actually get charts that show you how much fiber is in your different whole grains, in your vegetables, your fruits, etc. 
And you can also take supplemental fiber like psyllium, add flax seeds to your diet. Now, it's not just the microbiome, but leaky gut, which is technically called intestinal hyperpermeability, is a real phenomenon. And what happens is you have these junctions or barriers in your gut called tight junctions. And their job is to keep what's in your gut from getting into your gut immune system, which is below the surface of your gut, or triggering your general immune system by getting into your general circulation. When those tight junctions get damaged, uh, what starts to happen is food particles, particularly proteins from your foods, bacterial fragments, especially something called lipopolysaccharides, and other organisms and particles can cross the intestinal barrier. In a healthy gut, only nutrients should be able to get across this barrier. Once these particles, though, are outside the intestine, they can trigger unwanted immune reactions. Now, research suggests a very strong relationship between celiac disease, which is actually in and of itself an autoimmune condition, and Hashimoto's. This partly occurs as a result of gluten causing leaky gut. Now, gluten causes some amount of leaky gut in everyone, but most people can tolerate it. When you have celiac disease, you actually can't tolerate it at all. It's thought that as many as 10% of people with celiac also actually have Hashimoto's, and studies also demonstrate considerable improvements in and even resolution of subclinical, so low levels of hypothyroidism, and also full-on Hashimoto's with a strict gluten-free diet. Historically, it was thought that consuming gluten was only a problem for people with celiac disease. However, people like Alessio Fasano, a very well-known pediatric gastroenterologist who specializes in celiac disease and non-celiac gluten intolerance, he runs the clinic for this at Harvard and the research program, has shown that actually even gluten sensitivity, though not an autoimmune disease itself, can cause significant inflammation and symptoms and disease for millions of people. All right, so I want to switch gears, but I want to just reinforce that healing the gut microbiome and healing leaky gut are very important steps to take that may help in the prevention, mitigation, or reversal of Hashimoto's. And I have seen this in my medical practice. Nutritional insufficiencies are another common factor that may contribute to the production of thyroid autoantibodies. So the antibodies, they attack the thyroid. Estimates are that as many as eight out of 10 women fall short on getting enough of the nutrients we need every day for health including thyroid health on a daily basis. However, because many women fall short of experiencing full-on nutritional deficiencies, if you hear my dog barking in the background, it's because UPS is showing up at my house. I live way out in the country. I'm looking out at three feet of snow, UPS making its way slowly up my driveway that I can see out my office window. And my tiny little cockapoo who thinks he is like a Doberman or a German shepherd barking wildly downstairs. He actually is a great little watchdog. He's such a sweetheart. He's 12 now. Anyway, so if you hear barking in the background, that's why. So because so many women don't experience overt nutritional deficiencies, we're not having beriberi and pellagra, blood work and lab tests if your doctor even runs them, don't always raise a red flag. You know, I went to three years of pre-meds. 
uh, four years of medical school at Yale, a year of internal medicine residency at Yale, and two years of family medicine residency at Tufts. And Tufts prides itself on its strong nutrition program in the in the graduate school. I had an entire 50 minutes of nutrition in 10 years of pre-meds and medical training. 50 minutes, guys. That's it. Most doctors get nothing or 50 minutes. 50 minutes is basically nothing. So for the most part, most physicians are not looking for nutritional insufficiencies, even frank nutritional deficiencies, and don't even know what to look for or test for. So this is not even getting picked up. At the same time, many women just don't have optimal levels of key nutrients and experience all kinds of subtle symptoms of nutritional insufficiencies. And this has been studied by the Centers for Disease Control. Every few years, the Centers for Disease Control, which is like the most conservative organization in the world, basically, for healthcare, does these things called the NHANES studies. And they do these big surveys of things like nutritional adequacy in the United States. These are tens of thousands of people that are being studied. And they keep showing that most of us are not getting the nutritional nutrients we need from our diet. We're not getting them adequately from supplements. And we are showing signs of nutritional insufficiencies. And all at the same time, we're not aware of this. And just for example, low zinc, vitamin D, vitamin A, and selenium are all associated with the development of Hashimoto's. This is strong evidence in the scientific literature. So it's really important to make sure that you're doing everything you can to optimize your diet to get eight to 10 servings of fresh fruit and veggies every day, which isn't as hard as it sounds because portion sizes are a lot smaller than most of us have been led to believe. And check out my blog on, uh, and I think I have a podcast on it too. I put the links below for you on what nutrients most women can benefit from taking every day. It's not extreme or extravagant. It's really a multivitamin, some fish oil, some vitamin D, magnesium, and a probiotic. Because by the studies, these are the things that largely most of us are missing or really low in. And I'm going to talk to you in just a few minutes also about a very few specific nutrients that have actually been shown when we take them to directly target lowering thyroid antibodies. So I just want to mention chronic stress can be its own root cause of autoimmune disease. Research has strongly shown an unequivocal association between stress and autoimmunity. And even things like Hashimoto's and other autoimmune diseases, chronic ongoing stress, but also even childhood trauma. And stress can add fuel to the fire of other root causes. So for example, chronic stress aggravates leaky gut and it alters the microbiome. Chronic stress depresses the immune system and even sends messages to our genes to activate unhealthy pathways. So if you're genetically predisposed, a, a really serious or even ongoing chronic stress, like caring for an elderly person or a viral infection that you get um, and other causes can activate those genes that trigger you into autoimmune disease. So adding in one practice every day, whether it's a morning meditation, even for just five minutes, an evening wind down with a cup of tea, and then taking a hot bath or hot shower, or 10 minutes of journaling can and has been shown in studies, especially the journaling to and meditation, to start to reprogram your body's natural cortisol levels, calm your adrenal stress response system, and take off that edge of stress that can be adding to a thyroid problem. And I talk more about adrenals, stress, and thyroid 
in the Adrenal Thyroid Connection article and podcast that I have. And again, those links are below this podcast for you. Now, a couple more things. Studies have linked environmental exposure to toxins to unwanted antibody production. Research has identified an increasingly large number of chemicals like plastics, heavy metals, and other disruptors that can actually disrupt the endocrine system and specifically target the thyroid. So for example, factory workers who have been exposed to endocrine disrupting chemicals have much higher incidence and levels of thyroid antibody production. Thyroid antibody production can also be sparked by what I call stealth infections, infections that get into our system and tend to hide there in dormant forms like Epstein-Barr virus or cytomegalovirus. And there are several theories about how this can lead to autoimmunity. One theory is called molecular mimicry, in which the immune system remembers specific proteins on viruses that it appropriately attacked. But then it starts to inappropriately attack other proteins in the body that look similar to those virus proteins. So it's as if the immune system forgot to put on its glasses and can't any longer sort of make out the difference between small differences between the viral proteins and the healthy proteins. And then it starts to attack both of those just to be safe. Another theory is called the bystander effect, in which the immune system starts to attack the cells along with the virus that those viruses are hiding in, or the virus itself stimulates the release of specific immune cells that are primed to attach itself to the body, and then the body, in trying to get rid of the virus, also takes out the body cells. Ultimately, what's clear is that autoimmune conditions are on the rise, They're especially common amongst women, and they're fueled by a host of different environmental factors that include nutrition, gut health, toxin exposure, stress and anxiety, and possibly hidden infections. So we want to look at the impact of these in our lives as part of our approach to reducing thyroid antibodies. And I do walk you through a full program to do that in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which got born because of the number of women I was seeing, even in my own medical practice, suffering with Hashimoto's and other autoimmune diseases, and the tens of thousands of women of the over a million who visit my website and Facebook pages every year contacting me with these struggles. So one question you have is, okay, well, we know all this stuff. We know what supplements to use. Do you really need to get your thyroid antibodies checked? In medical school, doctors are taught to check for something called TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, and only add in additional tests, including thyroid antibodies, if the TSH is abnormal. The problem with this is that while the TSH gives you some information about how your brain is communicating with your thyroid, it gives you zero information about whether your immune system is attacking your thyroid. Not knowing your antibodies is not a trivial matter. You can have high autoantibodies for as long as eight years before other thyroid labs show any abnormalities. That's almost a decade of thyroid problems brewing and health subtly declining possibly before bigger problems manifest and before a potentially obvious thyroid problem shows up, which then at that time may be more difficult to address than if you had nipped it in the bud when those thyroid antibodies were first getting higher and higher. Pregnant and new moms are especially vulnerable to thyroid problems, including Hashimoto's and postpartum thyroiditis. 
and elevated anti-TPO in pregnancy is highly predictive of the risk of developing Hashimoto's in pregnancy, hypothyroidism after birth, and also hypothyroidism later in life, which you can learn more about in other articles and podcasts that I've linked to for you under this podcast. If you know your antibody levels and they're high, but your other thyroid tests are within normal range, it's not time for thyroid hormone medication, and that wouldn't buy you a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. But it doesn't mean the thyroid should be ignored. High or even just elevated antibodies could mean the start of nascent Hashimoto's, and you want to stop that in its tracks. Further, ongoing elevated antibodies is a sign that there is ongoing autoimmune attack on your thyroid. If you are taking supplemental thyroid hormone because you know you have hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's and your antibody numbers remain high, you probably haven't fully addressed the root causes. So you're getting benefit from the thyroid hormone that you're taking, but you might be taking more than you would need if you actually treated the root causes and these antibodies are still attacking your thyroid. So you're still getting thyroid damage. So over time, you're probably going to need higher and higher levels of thyroid hormone. So it's really important to get your thyroid antibodies checked and really to have the conversation with your physician of saying, I need these checked and here's why. So let's switch to what you can do. So seven strategies for lowering antithyroid antibodies naturally. And we're talking about the Hashimoto's ones. We're really not talking specifically about Graves' disease, but in my patients with Graves' disease, I do actually do these strategies as well. So one, you want to eliminate food triggers, especially gluten. So going 100% gluten-free, even for three months, it does require some vigilance. I'm not saying it's easy. Gluten hides in all kinds of unexpected places, salad dressings, condiments, even in the quote-unquote glue that holds some deli meats together. And even some body care products and cosmetics contain gluten. So you want to really learn about how to go gluten-free effectively, possibly work with a nutritionist or integrative or functional health coach and read labels carefully, but it's, it is really important. And getting checked for celiac disease, getting your antibodies and your genetics tested for celiac disease, any conventional doctor can do that is important. De-stress more often. Scientific evidence strongly suggests that chronic stress has a corrosive effect on our immune systems. And further, when the stress response system is activated, your adrenal stress response system, that can also lead to autoimmune disease. The good news is that you can totally start to reclaim your immune system, get some more calm in your life. And you can even start to do that with a 24-hour plan that if you rinse and repeat, will start to help regulate your stress response system. And I've given you a link to that below the podcast. Healing your gut is really important. And this requires reducing or eliminating pharmaceuticals that might be affecting your gut, like NSAIDs, like ibuprofen that can damage the gut lining. And Tylenol, aspirin, of course, certainly speak with your doctor before you go off of any of those. And then adding in a probiotic with at least 10 billion colony forming units of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium 
Don't stress about memorizing all this stuff or having to write it all down. I've got a blog for you associated with this podcast so you can read it all. You can just jump right to the seven things you can do and you'll see all the information right there for you. Um, And then there's also targeted supplementation that you can use for speeding gut healing. And I talk about that over in my article on how to heal leaky gut and my podcast on how to heal leaky gut. And of course, in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, and in my related program, The Adrenal Thyroid Solution. So if you want to go on a guided journey of doing this with me, you can join, you can get The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, which is a four-week plan, or do my eight-week plan, The Adrenal Thyroid Solution, where we walk through this together as a group. All right. Inflammation is one of the biggest triggers that gets the immune system confused over time. And that can lead to autoimmunity. So my top go-tos in my practice for cooling inflammation and resetting immunity are the adaptogen herbs, especially ashwagandha, which has been shown to help improve thyroid hormone levels, and the powerful anti-inflammatory, which is also an antidepressant, an adaptogen, and a gut healing supplement called curcumin, which is the active ingredient extracted from the famous curry spice turmeric. You want to, of course, look through your body products, your household cleaning products, and anywhere that you're getting environmental toxin exposure and try to really detox your home, which I talk about in my book over on blogs on my website. And my favorite resource is the Environmental Working Group where they have all kinds of simple guides. And just simply start with your body products and your household cleaning products. And then one thing is if you have... Uh, non-stick pans, like Teflon-coated pans, those chemicals have been shown to affect thyroid health. So switch to stainless steel, glass, ceramic, cast iron, any alternatives um, that you can afford to get. And target you know places that have really affordable dishware have sets of stainless steel dishware that you can get for forty dollars. And I promise you, it's it's you know pay now or pay later. And what we don't want to do is pay later with our immune system. If you think you might have something like Epstein-Barr virus, then check out my podcast and blog on how to get tested for that, what some of the symptoms might be, and ask your doctor to help you along with that. And then the seventh step is to supplement to reduce thyroid antibodies. In the beginning, I promised you that there were some supplements that have been shown in very strong scientific studies. Look, I'm a Yale-trained doctor. I spend a lot of time and a lot of money getting that education, and that is not an education that I throw the baby out with the bathwater. I take evidence-based medicine very seriously. I want to know that what I'm telling you is something that I would take myself or tell my family member or my best friend if they had a thyroid problem what to do. So this is not me trying to get you to take products or do a plan that doesn't work. This is based on my pretty hardcore research and my skeptical New York self. So when I say that these things have good scientific literature behind them, I really mean it. Sometimes I'll tell you something and I'll say, you know, there's no nothing but traditional evidence behind this. There's not, This has not been proven. It's just been used for 2000 years in Ayurvedic medicine or Chinese medicine. But when it comes to these supplements, they really do have good, strong evidence. So the first one is selenium, which is a mineral, 200 micrograms a day has been shown to reduce thyroid antibodies. 
Selenium is a mineral that's critical for thyroid function and protection of the thyroid gland from something called oxidative stress, which is damage to the cells from inflammation. And it works partly by helping the body to restore something called glutathione, which is a natural anti-inflammatory that we produce in our body. It's well-studied and found to be very effective at reducing thyroid antibodies. Every woman in my practice who has elevated thyroid antibodies, and this has been proven not only to be safe, but recommended in pregnancy for reducing thyroid antibodies, gets 200 micrograms of selenium. Now, more recent research has shown that something called inositol, and also in the form of myo-inositol, even more powerfully, with selenium, reduces antithyroid autoantibodies, both anti-TPO, antithyroid globulin, and has been helpful in improving thyroid function and TSH levels. In one major study, six months of treatment was needed to begin to see maximum benefits. So don't take it for two weeks or you know, until you get your thyroid antibodies tested in two months and then throw it out if it doesn't work. Stick with it for at least six months. But this is really effective And I've personally seen improvements in much less time, but for substantial results, give it at least six months. And I recommend staying on the combination of selenium 200 micrograms and for thyroid function, myo-inositol is recommended at 600 milligrams a day. Stay on that combination until your thyroid antibodies are completely normalized or it's very safe. You can stay on it indefinitely. And the myo-inositol is also safe in pregnancy at that dose. And I'm using this in my own clinical practice this way. Finally, vitamin D is an important modulator of immune health, and it plays a special role in inhibiting antibodies that attack the thyroid. Large studies have shown that there is a much greater likelihood of having Hashimoto's if you're vitamin D deficient and having more severe or persistent hypothyroidism if you are vitamin D deficient. Some studies even suggest that vitamin D deficiency in some people may be a cause of Hashimoto's. Now it's ideal to test your vitamin D level. You're testing for 25 hydroxy vitamin D. Again, this is in the written blog, so don't go, don't go get all worried if you're not remembering everything, if you have elevated antibodies or Hashimoto's. An ideal blood level is between 50 and 80 nanograms per deciliter on a blood test. And at least three studies have shown improvement in antithyroid antibodies levels in those who are treated with vitamin D. In one study, after four months of oral vitamin D3 at 1,200 to 4,000 units a day, in 186 vitamin D deficient patients, there was an over 20% decrease in anti-TPO levels. Another study analyzed 100 newly diagnosed Hashimoto's patients and found that anti-TPO levels were highest in those who had the lowest 25-hydroxy-D levels, and at three-month follow-up, there was a significant decrease in anti-TPO levels in patients who received vitamin D supplementation. And finally, another study showed that anti-TPO and anti-thyroglobulin levels in Hashimoto's patients with vitamin D3 supplementation the TPO levels were significantly decreased as a result of getting 1,000 units of vitamin D a day for a month. Now, interestingly, in that study, deficient was defined as vitamin D levels below 50 nanomolars. On most labs, people aren't even considered vitamin D deficient until they're much lower than that. So you want to look at what your numbers are, not just have your doctor say, oh, your vitamin D is fine. A typical dose for most people is 2,000 to 4,000 units of vitamin D3 daily, and that is also completely safe and appropriate when you are pregnant or breastfeeding. 
So there's a lot of a lot that conventional medicine has yet to learn about thyroid disease and thyroid health and health in general. And there are tremendous gaps between the research that's available and what we're taught as doctors in medical school and in continuing medical education. Just because your doctor doesn't know about the importance of testing for antibodies or the role of the microbiome or leaky gut or stress or environmental toxins or vitamin D doesn't mean the science isn't there. And I can tell you from clinical practice, many women, if not most, get substantial reduction in thyroid antibody levels are able to reduce their thyroid medication dosing, and most importantly, are able to start to feel like themselves again. So give yourself three to nine months to see improvement and really try to work with someone who can help you get under the hood to address your root causes of Hashimoto's. And I'm thrilled to help you learn how to do this with the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, my new course, The Adrenal Thyroid Solution, and with these podcasts and articles that are really designed to help you take back your health. So this is Dr. Aviva signing off this week, wishing you great health, hoping that you will drop a comment under iTunes and share this with someone who you think will really get benefit from it. Thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next time on Natural MD Radio. you enjoyed this episode of natural md radio if you did please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog and while you're there be sure to sign up for my newsletter it's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally that's avivaram.com take care and see you next time